to our dear Wellness Couch listeners, we are sending you all our love during these unprecedented times. Now is the time to appreciate what community really is all about. And on the back of our wellness base camps in Geelong and Camden being postponed, we've decided to run a virtual experience that anyone can attend. It's called Crisis to Confidence. Right now, the world faces five major challenges. The first one, fear and anxiety. So Kim Morrison will present on certainty and love. The second one is social isolation. So Marcus Pierce is going to talk about how to build community during these difficult times. The third is mental and emotional despair. So Brett Hill will talk about how to develop resilience. The fourth is financial uncertainty. So Jason Witten will talk about creating financial security. And the fifth is a challenged immunity. So Cindy O'Meara will share how to boost our immunity during these times. Crisis to Confidence will be broadcast live on Saturday, April 4. And if you can't make it, you'll receive lifetime access. To register and for all the details, go to thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thank you, Wellness Cow Tribe. We love you and send our virtual hugs and kisses. Are you passionate about health and nutrition? Then check out the Nutrition Academy. They offer the most comprehensive, innovative, and transparent health and nutrition educational resource on the planet. They strive to separate health misinformation from reality. They give their students the resources and skill sets to think critically about what they read and learn. So you can use the power of research to make better decisions for yourself, your family, and the people you serve. The Nutrition Academy have kindly offered all listeners a discount for this course, so you are able to try it out for yourself with a saving of $50. Just use the code TNN50 at thenutrition.academy or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast, and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In today's episode of The Real Food Real, Kale and I take a closer look at the coronavirus and the truth behind the latest stats from the World Health Organization. You will learn why you may not be at risk, but what you can do to support your immune system and microbiome health. 
we explore the role of the media and big pharma and what fear-based propaganda could be doing to your health and so much more. Please note this episode was recorded at the start of March. So some of the stats have changed, but you will no doubt still take away some interesting insights from this conversation with Cal Brock. Hi, Cal, and welcome back to the show. Thanks, Steffi. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you more about today's topic. Um, you've been traveling, though, in, well, across the world. You've been in California. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately. Yeah, so I went to California for the longevity film. We had um, some screenings over there. We worked with Paul Check on one and uh, did one back at in Loma Linda, which is one of the blue zones we visited, which was really fun. Um, that was probably my favourite screening, actually, uh, catching up with Mike and, and those guys. Uh, it was actually kind of strange because I was quite nervous for that screening because we were showing the film to the people who were the film's topic. Um, so the Q&A, I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be just me asking them questions, you know. But um, I think it turns out quite interestingly that in that society, it's very much the old the older generation who have kind of um, nailed down that blue zone lifestyle, whereas the young people are still sort of exploring and, and trying to perpetuate it in, in those subsequent generations. So it was, it was cool to, to go there and chat with them about that. And, um, yeah, it was great. And then obviously I did a lot of surfing, uh, did a lot of YouTube stuff and, and had a bunch of meetings and blah, 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 and all the distribution stuff. Uh, it was cool, but uh, on the way and on the way back, I saw the uh, craziness <laughs> that was going on with the world right now in terms of increased security and, and um, you know, all these different things happening in the airport in regards to uh, the the lovely little coronavirus that's happening right now. So, um, yeah, it was pretty fascinating. That's what sort of got me uh, interested in, in looking at it and, and writing that little article on it that I did. Yes. So your article, Why I'm Not Worried About Coronavirus, is one I'll link to the show notes because, you know, I really agree with your stance. I think it's worthwhile discussing because there is this hysteria. 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 (laughs) I'm making up words today. I've been doing it all day. Um, Hysteria. There really is. Like we've seen, I've seen um, videos of people having an actual physical fight over toilet well. paper in a shopping center. <laughs> like, I, it's, I don't know what's going on. Like, it's really gone absolutely out of control. And you obviously would have first noticed it in an international airport. Yeah, I went to wipe my bum and uh, no toilet paper. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no, but it was, I did notice it in the, in the airport because um, there, there were just so many people wearing masks and all these different things. And I suppose if I was not worried about what a goof I would look like wearing a mask, I probably wouldn't regardless anyway because going on planes and going through airports is, is quite a filth bag when it comes to germs. Um, but I think uh, we're definitely overreacting, particularly in Australia. We see that herd, herd um, mentality um, where people just get freaked out, you know, and, and we, and then we go out and do this this whole toilet paper thing. I think it just um, is reflective of our very fear driven mindset um, around how we live our lives and our total reliance on mainstream media um, and, and what they do. But I definitely think, uh, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, that there is some economic uh, influence happening uh, around this virus as much as is real. Um, there's also some, some very economic uh, strategies um, going on to 
Yeah. Just I want to talk to you about some of the stats because I know you're across those. But firstly, it's the intellect that we are going to need to lock ourselves in our homes and that's why we need to stock up on toilet paper. Is that what's going on at the moment? I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I guess that that is the case. I mean, um, I I don't know. It's just totally bizarre for me, for for people to go, oh, what's the one thing that I need in an Armageddon-style scenario? Yes, you're right, toilet paper. Of course, it's so logical. Um, So, yeah, it's it's interesting, but I'd rather um, people, you know, put that energy into organising their own food suppliers and things like that. Um, but I guess that is the reason why people are sort of stocking up and, and living as if it is um, World War Three and Armageddon and we're all going to die and that sort of thing. But to put it into perspective, in Australia we have 77 people who are confirmed as having coronavirus. As of this morning, um, looking at the World Health Organisation statistics page, which is uh, constantly being updated, I'm just looking at a graph that shows the entire world, in Australia, 77 cases, one of the lowest. Um, in South Africa, they have two. In, throughout Africa, it's a very, very low incidence. Um, that could be because of the climate and very, very dry. Um, yeah, in Australia, 77 cases. We've had three people uh, die from it. Um, so obviously not great for, for those people and their families. Um, just to put that into perspective, uh, last year, during quote-unquote flu season, we had 217,000 Australians diagnosed with influenza um, compared to 77 with coronavirus right now. Um, three people died from coronavirus uh, last year. The, in terms of people dying from influenza, that was at around 430. Um, so, so a lot more significant in terms of its impact on Australians. Now, whether that changes over time, I, I don't know, but right now, there's certainly no reason to panic, um, which for me uh, indicates that the mainstream media has been incredibly responsible with how they have reported this. Um, but also, if you if you look at what's happening, I mean, the American government just put together a rescue package, $8.3 billion, mind you, to deal with coronavirus. And in the United States, um, I'm just going to find their numbers here i don't believe they have a, a huge um toll. i think it's around five thousand, to be honest uh but i can't actually see oh the united states of america sorry 213 cases of um coronavirus in the u.s and that apparently justifies an 8.3 billion dollar rescue package to be distributed to the cdc to pharmaceutical companies to develop a vaccine and a whole uh, bunch of other measures which are going to be implemented. I just think they're overreacting. Um, we see these things. We saw this happen with um, bird flu, for instance. I think we had President George Bush as uh, in the US as a, a leader over there. He actually went on the news when bird flu was a thing and projected that two million, this is what he said, I mean, I don't know who says this as a president, two million Americans were going to die. That's what he forecasted um, when bird flu was a thing. Uh, He said the best case scenario, we would lose 200, they would lose 200,000 lives. So it was very, very serious. Um, The final death count in the US from that quote-unquote pandemic was, guess what, zero. So... um, I think it's a, it's a massive, massive uh, overinflation of 
what's going on, um, where that sort of hysteria is coming from, who's initiating it, I don't know. But it's funny that these pandemic scares often are announced and, and, and sort of disseminated around this time of year, so around January, February, March. Um, and as Dr. McCullough pointed out, what I referenced in my article, that is often when the federal budget is being allocated to various sectors. So during a pandemic, a quote-unquote pandemic, um, the argument could be made that the pharmaceutical companies, the health area, the health sector uh, could vie for a lot more funding, a bigger slice of the pizza of that money um, if they can say, hey, look, there's a virus, it's going to kill everyone, we need a lot more money. So that is a potential theory as to, as to why um, what's going on is going on. Uh, but if we look at the statistics, I, I just don't think there's any reason to, to freak out. I mean, honestly, if you're in China, perhaps 80,000, 80, 81,000 people, it's an issue. In Korea, 7,000. In Iran, 6,500. In Italy, almost 6,000. Those, those are the only countries in the thousands. So I don't think we need to, be, need to be stressing, but we are. You know, that's the way of the world these days. Well, I think the, that whole influence of the media and that fake news exaggeration is a huge issue. Like, you know, I've seen many different examples, but a, a figure or a stat that blows my mind is that we had nearly 10,000 deaths from type 2 diabetes in Australia alone last year. And what are we doing yeah. about that? You know, we're continuing to ignore that the guidelines are absolutely upside down and that our food system is largely to blame. And, and there doesn't seem to be much more funding, if any, going there, yet because of that influence of the media and there have been some really unfortunate deaths, it's become this, yeah, absolute um, saga and, and certainly this Armageddon-style approach into how we're treating it when we really need to take a step back and look at, okay, what are the deaths actually from? Truthfully, the deaths aren't from the coronavirus. It's from pneumonia. So, of course, it's related, yeah. but it's this side effect that is directly related to our immune system, and that is what we have control over. And I think that's what we really need to be focusing on, whether or not you want to wear a mask or not. Like, I'm with you. I'm that close to wearing them when I travel regardless of this. But <laughs> as that, that aside... We, what we can control is how we look after our immune system and, of course, our microbiome, you know, our internal ecosystem that drives everything. Yeah, totally. And, that, and you know, if we do, regardless of how we um, look after ourselves pro prophylactically, uh, if we did find ourselves at a point where we did have uh, a, a virus or whatever, there, there have been, according to Dr. McCullough, um, he was talking about uh, a guy called Dr. Paul Marrick who was working on vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C, which is actually a different, um, you, you would consider it a different treatment method to oral uh, vitamin C. Uh, they're looking at um, using it for coronavirus. So vitamin C, when you um, use it in a, in a protocol, straight into the bloodstream you use it for sepsis um which is you know is is basically how people are uh, succumbing to the um coronavirus infection and then getting pneumonia um it's it's got a very high uh impact on people who um have those conditions 
So they're sort of actually starting to experiment with that. And I know there have been some reports coming out that people with coronavirus, with the pneumonia, have gone in, had the intravenous vitamin C and walked out, no problem. So there are actually ways that we can deal with it as well as actually looking after ourselves prophylactically. When we look at the fact that 80 to 90% of the immune system is, is in and around the gastrointestinal system, that gut-associated lymphoid tissue, um, it makes sense to just be maybe even more cognizant now. I mean, I'm always cognizant of how my immune system is doing um, by looking after that. And we can do that, number one, by eating a whole foods diet with uh, a wide variety of colours and different fibres and, and different food sources from, from all the different kingdoms. Um, and then we can go a little bit more specific. We can take probiotics, for example. Uh, we can take herbs. We can take medicinal mushrooms, which um, everyone is getting into these days. Uh, we can just have something as simple as, as stock, you know, chicken broth. Um, yeah, the things that grandma used to make to look after the immune system, parsley, coriander, ginger, turmeric, all these different foods that we have access to really boost our immune system. I look at the deaths, um, 3,640 worldwide from coronavirus right now, most of those in the older age bracket. I look at those and I go, okay, how many of those could have been prevented with a good nutritional protocol leading up to this time? and then. Second part of the question is how many of those could have been treated successfully with something like intravenous vitamin C? Now, obviously, it's very hard to say that retrospectively and, and um, from this sort of position, but it's worthwhile having these conversations and yet these conversations are not being had because we know the corporatized media are in bed with uh, Big Pharma and that is why we don't see the attention um, on diabetes, for example, and type 2 diabetes, which is entirely preventable and in many cases entirely treatable and reversible. Uh, we know that, but we don't see any discussion happening. I think when we uh, put the people, if you will, the, the civil, our civilization into a state of fear, we're much more likely to succumb to subtle hints and sways and um, suggestive uh, informational bias, which which gets sort of dribbled down. And I know what it's like. I, wo I worked for a TV network and I worked right there at the newsroom. Um, people have deadlines. People have sources that they are allowed to trust and sources that they are not allowed to trust. And a producer says yes or no, that's it. You can't be this, um, you know, wayward reconnaissance sort of, martyr as a journalist unless you work for yourself and you have your own website and you have your own platform you will get fired if you don't follow the rules so i do understand um but i do think we need some more level-headedness when it comes to reporting these issues um yeah it's real obviously it's a it's a real thing but do we need to be stressing i mean i don't know i don't think so i mean one positive that's come out of it is the the entire share market's on at a, trading at a discount right now so if you want to make a little bit of money you could probably do a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, look, I totally agree with you. I think looking after our immune system is key and it is interesting when we look at the age range. If it is largely the elderly, then that does say a lot because, you know, that's not the conversation that's being spread in the media because, of course, yeah, they're not going to make money if we're all healthy and that's the sad reality at the moment. Like if we circle back to type 2 diabetes, yeah, unfortunately, if that disease no longer exists, which it's 
technically possible to eliminate, um, big pharma will run at a loss in that area of, you know, health, in that area of pharmaceutical intervention. So then when we apply the same rules, those same principles to what this sort of, I guess, public health scare is doing for them, yeah, more taxpayer money and, you know, I won't be surprised if we start to see, you know, drugs and vaccines that um, are being developed probably as we speak. Totally, totally. They're on the way. I think we know that. And mm. um, and that, that belies a whole a, a sort, of, sort of another um, phenomenon is that we think we will be saved by modern medicine from all our ills when it is just not the case. That if we look back at in time, if we look at the current statistics even, we have no indication whatsoever that modern medicine is actually good for us outside of emergency medicine. Literally, I mean, if we look at the actual stats, nothing is positive about modern medicine besides emergency medicine. Um, that in itself is, is, first of all, not discussed, but to, to not at least be considered um, by people like, you know, well-informed people like you and me. Uh, I know people in the health industry who are freaking out about coronavirus. You know, it's like, yo, look at the stats. Look at what's important. Look after your immune system. If we sort of consider that this could be a biological weapon scenario gone wrong, um, yeah, it could still be, it could be quite concerning. Um, but the fact that only 3,400 people have died worldwide um, and that we're still able to have this conversation, the internet still works and the sun's still shining, uh, I think we're probably going to be okay. I would sadly swallow my words here um, to see the, the world sort of overtaken by this virus, but I would also predict. And again, I'm happy. I'm, I would sadly swallow my own words, um, given the opposite. But I will predict that within about three months, by the middle of the year, this will have all died down and things will um, have corrected. But there will be a, a ripple effect in place where a certain industry, big pharmaceuticals, and uh, various um, governing bodies will have benefited in terms of implementing more. Uh, power, more restrictions, and moving more towards a police state. If we look at what happened with um, anthrax in 2001, it was used as an impetus for signing in the Patriot Act, which was essentially the first step in taking away, and this was in America, um, many of the personal freedoms that uh, Americans experienced. Uh, and it was pretty much responsible for, for them opening up the gateway to setting up a surveillance state where they could record and listen to it. This is sort of Edward Snowden's story, right? Um, they could record and listen to everything that you say and, and what you punch into your phone and what you search for and all these different things. So I think we do see some pretty significant changes as a result of this. Um, they often, though, aren't <laughs> significant changes in the health outcomes of, of the people, uh, which is what we tend to focus on. So, yeah, I don't know. Someone's making money. And um, I don't know if it's if it's a really if it's a fair scenario. Time will tell. Yeah, I mean, time will tell when we understand more about. Um, yeah, I guess that global effect in time. Hopefully, though, I mean, I actually think it will drive a much greater awareness in our immune system. Like I work um, with Melrose and they have quite a big arm of the business in China and Japan and there is a huge conversation over there about vitamin C and certain other immune ingredients, you know, olive leaf extract and you mentioned the food-based 
you know, the garlics and oreganos and things like that. Like I know it's not, it's, it's a small fraction of the proportion because many people are still purely believing what they read in the daily paper or they see on Facebook. But my hope is it can drive a bigger conversation of us understanding that, you know, essentially we have control over this ecosystem. Like I've had, um, I had someone ask me late last week if I was worried about the coronavirus and grace because I have a young child. Mm. And I can truthfully say like, I, I have not felt worried. It hadn't even crossed my mind, not in an irresponsible way, but in the way that I know how healthy Grace is. She's still breastfed. Um, she's never been sick. Like we were chatting off air about that, the role of colostrum and just obviously how breast milk is, is that beautiful delivery of an immune system. And um, I just I just think it is about really appreciating that you can control your health and, of course, your environment so many people are choosing not to travel at this point in time, which is not a bad decision. But, I mean, certainly if you have to, there's a lot you can put in place. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I, I take bovine colostrum uh, as well. This is not mm. uh, me me um, taking breast milk. This is me taking bovine colostrum, uh, which is that first milk that cows secrete after they give birth, um, which, you know, happens to mimic, in, in a lot of ways, the, the way that human colostrum works uh, because it's very similar across species. So I'm turning my immune system on that way. Um, whilst I was traveling, I was taking probiotics. I was um, doing some CBD oil. Uh, I was uh, having, um, what else? I had some medicinal mushrooms. So I had some elk antler as well, uh, some shaga mushroom extract, you know, all these different things which I just take prophylactically anyway whilst I travel because I think it's important to look after yourself. Travel is not natural and I don't think it's particularly great for you even though I do it a lot. Um, yeah, I think we just need to pull the – realise that we actually are in control and, and the ball really is in our court and we get to decide, uh, I think, to a very large extent the outcomes that we're going to experience now and also into the future as we continue, I guarantee, continue to see these various outbreak scenarios. Yeah, well, this is not the last. Like as you also said in your article, we have, we've had quite a few examples. Like Zika is the more recent one. That was in 2016. But we don't even talk about that now, do we? No, no. No, and it's like it's become jokes. Like, oh, he's got a bowler. You know, we were walking down the street, my friend the other day was like, I've got corona, you know, because he's sick. You know, everyone's got, everyone's got oh, some yeah. sort of cough up here now and everyone's sort of joking about it. But that's what they end up becoming. Um, but we never, never put the dots together. At least the media doesn't report it that way. There have been a few standouts in the, um, I'm not in the mainstream media, who have said, hey, we need to calm down about this sort of stuff. I mean, according to the CDC, they're, have already been 26 million cases of the flu um, over the over the season in America, the, the quote-unquote flu season. Um, 25,000 people died uh, just in America from the flu, and it wasn't even a bad season apparently. Uh, and, and, and again, we're sitting at 3,640 people dead from corona. And you're freaking um, out about it. I just don't understand the hysteria. Um, but again, it comes back to looking after your immune system. So whenever yeah. I talk about looking after the immune yeah, so go ahead. Go. <laughs> I was just saying, whenever I talk about looking after the immune system, I come back to uh, taking on a gut-centric approach. Um, so yeah, it's going back to 
again, what we've talked about, the principles that I wrote about in the gut healing protocol, it's just go back to basics, have your bone broth, you know, reset the microbiome and just allow those gut microbes and your gut lining to interact positively with your immune system and, you know, trust that that's going to be uh, enough because it's been enough for uh, however long humans have been in existence. Yeah, I agree. And I think that whole concept around freaking out or the fear that's being perpetuated is one that we actually really have to stop and think about, you know, what, what will fear promote? Well, it'll be that sympathetic dominance, that fight or flight mode, which will ironically completely suppress our immune system. So freaking out and, and, you know, clearing the shelves with toilet paper or stocking up on canned foods and having that, that fear-based mentality that you're going to die is, is not what your immune system re- needs right now. You know, you need to actually be supporting your immune system with what we've already discussed. But, you know, your, your adequate sleep, your breathing practices, you know, what you can do to nourish your nervous system, whether that is additional herbal support, like I personally take ashwagandha. There's a lot that we really need to acknowledge that, yeah, that fight or flight mode is not serving. No, no, absolutely. Um, and I suppose that could be the case with just tuning into mainstream uh, is, is that it is. We, we know that it, it's largely very negative in, in how they report stories because as humans we are trained or we're sort of biologically um, adapted to look at, look out for the negatives, you know, so we learn not what to not do again in the future, you know, that sort of, um, that sort of approach. So I think, yeah, as we move forward, uh, perhaps if we sort of take all these messages with a grain of salt, um, we might be better off, but perhaps it's going to take some sort of crisis to get there. The thing is like, no one in the mainstream media is going to report on the mainstream media stuffing up or misreporting anything. So it's really going to come, come down to us, I think, um, actually taking a step back and, you know, reading and, um, yeah, perhaps just looking at things with a, with a fresh perspective. Yes. I think turning off the TV can be helpful and and certainly with social media, just unfollow what doesn't serve you. Like honestly, in in a good way, we select what we see. So we we can make those changes every day. Just start unfollowing what you feel is fear-based or profit-driven or not aligning with your values. Even if you're hearing for the first time that you can support your immune system and not have to worry about corona, then that's the, they're the people that you need to start following. Like you control what you see every day. And if you're scrolling a lot, then you really need to clear out the garbage, clear out the, yeah, the just that negativity and that hysteria. Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in it because it, it sort of extends beyond what's in our phone, doesn't it? Like everybody wants to talk about it in the streets and everybody wants to talk about it at yoga, you know, and if someone hears someone coughing on a plane and you sort of go, huh. <laughs> You know, um, so yeah, it, it's understandable in a way, but um, yeah, not getting caught up in in the crazy whirlwind that is the mainstream. Um, anything, not just mainstream media, I think is a, is a smart move. It's like when we come round to Christmas time, and you know, everyone goes crazy, like I've got to get to the shops or, or Boxing Day sales. You know, um, it's very similar. The, this crazy mob mentality of like urgency and, and fear. 
that drives people's behaviours. And if someone comes along and says, hey, well, I think we should actually just calm down with this stuff um, and, and maybe, you know, take it with a grain of salt and, and relax a little bit, it's going to be challenging initially. Uh, but when we inform ourselves, then we can make informed decisions. It's very hard to make informed decisions without being informed. So it just means we have to do a little bit of work or, like you said, cultivate our feeds, our, our news sources quite carefully. Um, again, looking, if you look at what's happened to the stock market over the past uh, couple of weeks and or months in response to corona, um, whenever things go down in such a significant way, someone is, is cleaning up, right, and someone's making a lot of money. Um, so it's essentially just this redistribution of money that could potentially be driving this. And the more I actually look at the stats and see that 106,000 people around the world have coronavirus compared to 25 million the flu, the flu has killed, you know, 25,000 people. Uh, coronavirus has killed um, 3,500 or just over. Uh, that's quite a significant difference. And I don't see any logical jump from that point to pandemic scenario. Every year we see it again and again. We see oh, everyone's got the flu and people are dying and it's important to go out and get jabbed and do all that sort of stuff. Um, I just don't know how we can interpret what actually happens uh, with those with those outcomes unless someone is, is carefully sort of, uh, con- you know, um, controlling the puppet strings and, and uh, determining what actually gets released from these sources. So, yeah, um, not everyone has access to although most people do have access to this sort of information at least online but being able to filter it and and sift through and work out what is relevant and what is accurate can be quite difficult um so yeah that's why you've you've got to surround yourself with people you trust and then also have a little bit of faith i think that's why people in the blue zones for example um do so well because you go to loma linda uh and people are like you know god has a plan i think we're going to be fine um, so, you know, that calming effect from them having that faith, I think, would do wonders for their immune systems, uh, for example. You know, they're, they're not concerned that the world's going to be wiped out. And, and if it does, then it's all part of this this greater purpose or there's meaning in it. Um, you know, so it just takes the edge off. And I think we just need to cultivate that in our own lives. Like Australians are pretty good at that generally. We were good at that before social media. Uh, you see, she'll be right. You know, we're fine. The world's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, though, we're sort of <laughs> we've been caught up in the in the storm. I think the world's just sort of been blended into this one set of of weird culture attributes that um, you know everybody's scared, everybody scrolls too much, and everybody's ready to uh, listen to mainstream media and freak out. Yeah, and I think it's just a continuation of what happened sort of in 2019 and the start of this year as well. Like I know it was more environmental like with the Amazon fires and then obviously what was going on back here at home with the tragic bushfires and then we only just took a breath and felt like, okay, maybe my social media is starting to feel more positive or maybe the news is a little bit different and then this has come up. So, you know, we, we I think we're in that we are actually in that fight or flight. We're in that ready for like sort of what's next because of what has been going on around the world. And of course they're connected, but I mean, the change starts with us. Like we have to, we have to take control over our own health and, and truly knowledge is power. So understanding what we can do rather than just feeling helpless. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said before, if people were wanting takeaways, my number one, 
recommendation is to eat a whole foods diet, get lots of sleep, get enough sunshine so that you um, don't get sunburned, uh, but you, you get enough just to, you know, build up a little bit of a tan. Um, you know, it, it's do some breathing, relax, maybe do whatever, do whatever puts you into a meditative state. Um, and then anything on top of that, you, maybe you do want to take some probiotics, uh, take a little bit of colostrum, have some bone broth, um, maybe have some extra ginger and turmeric in the smoothie. And it, chances are, according to the statistics, not just my opinion, chances are you're probably going to be okay and you probably will, you may or may not have enough toilet paper to continue going to the toilet at the frequency you currently do. Yeah, no need to freak out. Definitely some positive steps you can take for yourself and your family. So I definitely appreciate your insight today. Can you share with us what's next on your calendar? Oh, it's just, you know, the world's my oyster. <laughs> I don't, it's, I, I'm doing a lot of, as I said to you before, I'm doing a lot of surf, uh, surf like stuff this year um, with, with YouTube uh, doing what it has. It, it's gone very well for me. So um, I'm doing a lot of that. But on the, on the other side of it, we're also really shooting for some um, projects to, to fire off in the health health ish space as well um we're really looking to get mandy microbe my kids gut health book turned into a tv series so we're just going through the necessary funding procedures to get that happening because we as part of me looking after my immune system i we're no longer self-funding any projects here uh <laughs> at brock creative media um so we're, we're shooting for funding for that and then potentially doing some flow state stuff as well which will sort of cross the, the boundaries between surfing and health and, and mm, yeah okay. so, so it's an interesting year for me i think what about you what do you what do you got coming up what have i got coming up um lots of focus on the clinic this year now that i'm back in the clinic sort of seeing clients um three days a week and then really working on my online community with my two-week LCHF reset. We've got a beautiful community there that are, are loving just that way to kickstart things and understand what real food is and, and how they can, you know, start to make those changes more lifelong. Mm. So that's probably my main two focuses um, at the moment. But, yeah, I'll be sharing a lot more on social media and just um, – as I have become a mum, I've started to work with a lot more mums-to-be and, and mums myself. So certainly getting into arguments on Instagram at the same time is trying to be really <laughs> helpful and just share information with love. It's so funny that you have to justify certain remarks that you that you make just so nobody gets offended now. Nobody can be offended without saying anything. Now. I, actually, I get some very funny um YouTube comments like we went to the wave pool down in Melbourne as part of one of our one of our videos that went really well, um, and the amount of people who during the fires were literally saying, "Well, you know, you've just caused you just killed koalas because you flew down from you know Sydney, you koala killer." So like you know, in order to jump that space and just and just smash it like you know word vomit into your keyboard and chuck it up online, it, it's pretty it's a pretty funny space, isn't it? But um, you know, I think not getting caught in this is sort of tied back to what we're talking about today, just accepting that people act strangely online when they don't look at someone face-to-face um, by accepting it and, and, and thinking about that. I think we take the pressure off and take the sting away. Um, and, again, that comes back to actually longevity and us, you know, connecting more in person than online. But if we, if we have a think about what we say 
about people from within our cars, for example, <laughs> as opposed, would, would we say those things to people's faces? No. Like never, right? Ne- I, would, I say things to people in the car that I would <laughs> never say to someone's <laughs> face. Um, so, yeah, I think we just need to relax a little bit and, and maybe come a little, become a little bit more connected. Yeah, I agree. And also identifying your triggers outside of Instagram, maybe getting some help on how to nourish your nervous system as a result. It is. It's a crazy world out there. And it just comes back to, yeah, looking at those longevity principles. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, love it. Go see the longevity film. (laughs) I'm going to go and follow you on Instagram and check out some of your stuff. Hilarious. Awesome. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Steph. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.